Shepherding is one of the oldest occupations and was and was said to have begun some 5,000 years ago in Asia Minor. Uh, most parts of Asia Minor would, would be uh, present-day Turkey. So somewhere around Turkey, um, this it is said that shepherding began, and it's one of the oldest professions. Uh, it, it predates many jobs, and it's fascinating to see that it's something that still exists today. And shepherding is also used figuratively, especially in religious writings, to denote someone who is a leader. So anybody that has a leadership position, especially in religious connotation, they refer to as a shepherd, somebody that leads and guides a group of people. All right. And this is what we think of when we think when we say shepherd. Here we see a guy with his overalls and his shirt, and we see he has a stick. And there is a sheep, and they're all, he's leading them and they're going. So that's the idea of a shepherd. But so for those who hadn't seen a shepherd, um, that is what a shepherd looks like. All right. So why does a sheep need a shepherd? Um, I mean, animals should be able to, to survive on their own, all right? So first point to know that sheep aren't very smart animals and they're always getting into trouble. If left alone, they'll wander place to place. So sheep need a shepherd because they are always, they're mischievous to the creatures. You put them one space and they go to another space. So they're always wandering off and they're always going here and maybe they might wander off into his yard and they might eat his cabbages and then your neighbor comes out and he wants to kill you and he wants to kill his sheep because he ate his prized cabbage. So they're always getting into trouble because they don't know what right from wrong. Whatever looks tasty, they go and eat. All right. And sometimes they might eat something dangerous. So they aren't very smart. So they need someone to guide them. In the animal kingdom, sheep are prey. That means that they, they don't eat people. People They don't eat things. Things eat them. All right? So they're prey in the animal kingdom. They don't have any sharp claws. They don't have any sharp teeth that they could fend off any predator. They can run away, but they lack stamina. So even if they, they manage to run from this, this predator, they can run very far because they don't, they don't have the stamina the predator would have. All right. And domesticated sheep have also been bred to produce lots of wool. And over time, these wool, it builds up and they gain extra weight. And this can cut off blood circulation. And it can even, which is strange when I read it, it can cause them to not gain enough weight, body weight. They're gaining wool, but they aren't gaining body weight. So with this extra wool comes parasites and especially one called keds. It's a type of tick or flea and it sucks the life out of the sheep. All right, so they need to always be sheared. So if they aren't sheared regularly, they, they become so overgrown that they become uncomfortable. All right, so they do need a shepherd for protection and for general care. So sheep do need a shepherd. All right, some images here. Um, those little thick-looking things, that's the kids, and they embed themselves into the sheep when um, the wool is too thick and then they just suck on their blood and, and the sheep are constantly, they can't scratch because they have a whole bunch of wool. So sometimes they try to dig against a wall and that isn't even working because the coating of the wool is so thick and these, these parasites are just having a fiesta. We see there's a guy shearing a sheep. That is very important um, because as I said, if a sheep isn't sheared regularly, the wool can overgrow and it can cause discomfort, pain in your joints because they become so heavy. And here we see a bunch of sheep on a roadway. Roadway is no way for a sheep to be. One, they're not very smart. 
So they just run out into a car and we see there's about three shepherds and they're trying to herd all the sheep into one lane and kind of direct the cars. So you see, these guys are always getting into trouble. They're always wandering off and they're always going to places that they aren't supposed to go. They're getting these diseases and they need to be shared. Things they can't do on their own. All right, because they've been bred this way by mankind. So sheep need a shepherd. All right. All right, so what constitutes a good shepherd? Let's read 1 Samuel, our first reading for tonight. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. You don't have to turn, actually. It's it's there on the uh, screen, but if you want to turn, you can. Um, we'll be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 to 35. All right? So it says, but Saul said to David, but David said to Saul, sorry, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came, and took a lamb from the flock. I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. All right. Now, upon reading that, I'm I'm very amazed. All right. So if I was a shepherd and a lion was coming to take my sheep, I'm telling you tonight, I didn't save no sheep. I'd have gone my way running away. First of all, a lion is so big. So powerful, he can easily punks me, who barely weighs like 115 pounds. He can he can devour me. I mean, I'm gonna give him a few sheep. I, I'm gonna give him a few sheep and I'm gonna keep the rest. All right. But here David is telling Saul that he fought the lions. And of course, we know that it, God's power was upon David, and this wasn't David's strength. But even with that, it had to take some amount of not some a great amount of courage and bravery for David to go up against a bear. And a lion, two of the most vicious predators known to man, it can easily tear us apart in a split second. So David is an excellent example here as a shepherd. All right, David did whatever it took to make sure that his sheep was all right. All right, so something that constitutes a good shepherd is someone that takes good care of the sheep. You can buy a sheep and you just give it water and food. That does not make you a good shepherd. They, they require shearing. They require protection. They require enough space so that they are able to walk around because they need exercise because they're living things. So a person just buying a sheep or a group of sheep and just putting it in an enclosed space and giving them food and water, that is, enough, that is not enough. But a person must be dedicated. They must be ready and willing. And every time a sheep escape, because guess what? No matter how fence up, you fence up your yard and you fence up the pasture, they will escape. Because they're mischievous little creatures. They don't know what's right from wrong. So they're just going to try to find ways to go and look for better food. And oftentimes they escape. And a shepherd, he doesn't just suck his teeth and sit and say, I'm going to leave him. A good shepherd goes after his sheep. Even if, it's, even if he has a million and one goes away, a good shepherd will go after that one sheep. Better yet, when the sheep are in danger, he's there to defend the sheep. Here we see that prime example with David. David says that he would always do what? He said he fight a lion and a bear to take care of his sheep. So David, if we think of an example of a good shepherd, David took good care of his sheep. All right? And shepherding isn't, isn't a big fancy job. Um, David was doing it for his father. His father probably had wealth because to have sheep was to have wealth. But that wasn't David's wealth. 
they really need to look after them. And any ordinary teenage guy this year, parents tell you look after the sheep, suck your teeth and you, you don't want to do that. Who wants to do that? But here we see the word of God says to us that David took pristine care of the sheep. David fought lions and bears. Of course, Yahweh's power was upon him. So it really wasn't his power, but still it took courage for David to be able to do that. So a good shepherd will never leave not even one single sheep behind. He will go after that one sheep. All right. And let's, let's focus on Psalms 23. Sorry, I don't have it projected. It says an, um, an, a, a famous scripture um, that he anoints my head with oil. That actually is something. Um, it's not commonly done much now because, of course, we have chemists like chemists who are able to make chemicals. So, but in the olden days, and some shepherds still do it today, they would anoint the head of the sheep for three purposes. One, during the autumn season, the sheep, they mate. And the males, of course, we already know it is. The males want all the females, so they fight. And they fight. And usually they would have head injuries. So the, the, the shepherd would anoint their head with oil so that when they go off into battle to, to fight, um, they would slip off. So when they, when they collide, they would slip off. Another reason is there is something, there is a special type of nose fly or nasal fly. So what that does is it goes into the mouth, the eyes and the nostril of, of the sheep and it lays eggs. And, and then when the larvae hatch, it be, the, sheep's are, the sheep are uncomfortable and, they, and it slowly begins to kill them. So the shepherd anoints the head of that sheep to keep away parasites and also to keep away scabs. If a sheep, um, when a sheep is grazing, sometimes uh, friction between the grass and its face can, can lead to scabbing. All right. So when David, so this paints a picture for us now, when David says that, that Yahweh anoints his head, that he's a shepherd and, and, and he anoints his head, the anointing David represented there was God was anointing him to protect him. So that, that entire Psalm speaks of the graciousness of God. So that constitutes a good shepherd. Because if you have a hundred sheep and, and 30 are males, you have to, when it's autumn season, you got to get up, you got to come out, you got to anoint all 30 head at all because you best believe they're going to fight. If you have a hundred sheep during the nasal season where you know the flies are rampant, you got to come out, you got to anoint their head with oil. All right. And if a shepherd isn't a good shepherd, he's not going to come out and anoint the head. He's not going to care. He just wants the wool and the lamb because he likes lambs too. So he don't care nothing about the sheep. So to anoint the head of a sheep, if you have plenty of sheep, that is quite a job. You, you, you get your work cut out for you there, all right? But it constitutes a good shepherd, takes care of his sheep, all right? So with that being said, let's, let's look at our meat reading for tonight. And that is taken from Ezekiel chapter 34. This is basically what our, we're going to be focusing on tonight. All right, Ezekiel 34, uh, prophecy here of Yahweh through his prophet uh, Ezekiel. And I read it, but I overlooked it. But upon doing research, I fell in love with his prophecies. Shows how great God's word is. The word of Yahweh came to me, mortal. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, thus says the Lord Yahweh, ah, you shepherds of Israel who've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? Yahweh, through Ezekiel, opens up in this narrative here, and he wreaks his disappointment. This shepherding and sheep here is not literal shepherding and sheep, but this time God is speaking about the religious system of Israel. 
the religious leaders of Israel had become so for themselves, for their families. They loved the glory of man rather than the glory of God. And God had had enough of them here. God is fed up because he had called them to shepherd the people and they were feeding themselves. And we looked at what constitutes a good shepherd. And it says that a good shepherd is one that takes care of his sheep. But these, these leaders, these religious leaders, these pastors in, 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 the, in, the, in these days were neglecting the work of God. They were feeding themselves rather than feeding the sheep. Verse 3, it's not projected, so you'll have to read in me. You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the failings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strayed. You've not sought the loss. Here, we see God is, is listing characteristics of a good shepherd. God is saying you neglected to bung up the wounds, to heal the sick, to go after the lost. All you are focused on is receiving the wool and receiving the lamb. So here we see God is, is, is tired of the work that, that the men that he has called the men that should have known better, the men that should have shepherded the sheep of Israel, God is fed up of them because they're not good shepherds like David. All right, brothers and sisters. So this prophecy, and as I was reading, relates even to Christendom. And I know Israel is called out, but I relate this too to Christendom today. So the Latin word for shepherd is pastor. Um, I, I never knew that, which is weird. And upon doing research, I found out that the Latin word for pastor is shepherd. So pastor in Latin means shepherd. And we all know that in most churches that the word pastor is used to denote a religious leader. All right. So this can relate to Christendom. And we as Christadelphians know firsthand that Christendom has taken a, a, a stroll that so many of the leaders have strayed away from God's truth. We have so many shepherds or pastors today that are so focused on wealth, that are so focused on fame, just like the Pharisees in the days of Jesus and in the days of Ezekiel, just as the Pharisees, too, in Christendom, they have become unworthy shepherds. They have neglected to feed the sheep. They have brought the sheep to new doctrines, to new pastures that Yahweh had never taught, that Yeshua, the Son of God, had never taught, that the apostles of Christ hadn't taught. The Pharisees did the exact same thing, and that is linked to Christendom today also. The shepherds, the pastors have done the very same thing. And God is saying that he is tired here in Ezekiel. He is tired. Of these shepherds continually distorting his word. They are not focusing on his will. They focus on being clothed, on having wealth, and on fame. Nothing about the word of Yahweh do they concern themselves with. And God is saying that I am tired. I am tired of them and what they have done. So the sheep are riddled with parasites, 
The world is overgrown and the leaders are doing nothing because their will is not the will of Yahweh, is not the will of Yeshua. Their will is to the glory of themselves. They look nice on the outside. They adorn themselves with the best outfits. And when you see them, you might bow because they look like holy men. They look like good shepherds, like good pastors, but they are not doing the will of Yahweh. They are not leading the sheep to the true doctrine, to the true pastors that Yeshua have taught. Is there any good shepherds? Is there any good shepherds remaining, brothers and sisters? But God says something nice. And this is why, as I was researching here and as I was reading of all of the, the commentaries, both on Christadelphians and, and non-Christadelphians, I was, I, was, I was mesmerized. And I just had to say, yes, Yahweh, you are indeed a good God. As I related, God says, Ezekiel 34, 11. Thus says Yahweh, thus says the Lord Yahweh, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. So God said, I'm tired. Hear this thing. I'm tired. I fed up with these people. He didn't say it like that. I'm just reiterating here. I'm fed up with these people. I am going to look for my own sheep. I got to do the job myself. Can't let these humans do the job. of it. They can't do it. They, they can't. They can't do it. God says, I will gather my sheep. I will search my sheep. I will seek them out. Then he says in verse 23, something great. I will set up over them one shepherd. My servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Hold on. David? David? David is dead. As Ezekiel is scribing this prophecy or, or is scribe, scribing the prophecy for him. Ezekiel is dead. David, sorry, is dead. How could David... Be the shepherd. That doesn't make sense. Come on. That doesn't make sense. How could he be the shepherd? He's dead. All right. Let's 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 go back a bit to 2 Samuel verse 7, 12 to 14. Let, let's go back a few hundred years as David is now king. He's no longer a shepherd. He's the big man in town. He's the king of Israel. All right. God speaks to him. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use, with blows inflicted by human beings. All right, so, all right, so the narrative is it's 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 making sense now why God is using David's name here. So God had said to David that I will, even after your death. I will always keep an ancestor in your throne that I will send one from your line and he will be my son from your line, your descendant and of his kingdom, there will never be any end. So God has finished from verse 10, speaking about the, the false prophets and from verse 11 on, God's now brings a new narrative. Yahweh now says that he will gather them and he will bring them to green pastures and these pastures will be eternal. But he says that he will set up a shepherd and this shepherd will be David. But this shepherd, brothers and sisters, is not the literal David, of course. This shepherd is called David because God had promised to David that he would one day send an offspring from his line that will have 
that will reign in his kingdom for eternity. All right. So David had the characteristics of a messianic king, but of course he was not the messianic king, but he had the characteristics. But we know that David was a flawed man and we know what he did with Uzziah. So David was not the promise and could not have been the promise, nor could Solomon. We know Solomon's history. All right. But God is saying to us that he will put David and David will be our shepherd. Brothers and sisters, as I reflected on this scripture, I was blown away how, how much Yahweh loves us, how much God Almighty loves us. God could have restarted mankind and made a whole new set, but God is, even in the midst of, of the shepherd not leading his sheep, God is still willing to try with us. And I think that that, that blew my mind as I was doing research for this talk. All right? <clears throat> So God here is, is speaking of his eternal kingdom. God says that he will gather all his sheep. I will feed them with good pasture and the mountain of Israel shall be their pasture. They shall lie down in good grazing. This is verse 14. And they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountain of Israel. I myself will be a shepherd of my sheep and I will make them to lay down. God here is, 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 is speaking of a time where the sheep would have come into an eternal state of rest. And he says to them that he's going to put his servant David. In Luke 1, the gospel of Luke, we're introduced to a narrative. All right. So the name David, it means beloved. All right. So in the Hebrew, David, it means beloved. All right. So in Luke 1, Jesus is introduced by the angel as the son of God to his now mother, but she hadn't known him as yet. He hadn't, he hadn't existed. But the angel is telling her that the power of the Most High will come over you and you shall bear a son and he shall be of the descendant of David. So the angel is telling her that your son, you will call him Yeshua or Jesus, that he will be the promised one of David. He's the promised Messiah that, that was promised to Abraham and to Isaac, etc. And he himself. So here we're introduced now to Jesus. So it, it makes sense now why the name David is used, but God is referencing to the Messiah. In the word David is used there to represent the Messiah, and we know that the Messiah is Jesus. So God is, is, is so good that he's telling us that it is second coming. So this is depicting the second coming. This is a prophecy of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that God was set up here on the earth. God was said that a time will come when he's had enough. That he will put down the false teachings. That he will put down the false shepherd of Israel and the false pastors of Christendom. That he will put them down, brothers and sisters, and that his son, Yeshua, will bring unto us a new kingdom right here on the earth. And that he will be a shepherd unto us. Jesus says in John 10, 11, that I am the good shepherd. And at the baptism of Jesus, it says to us that the... the the dove fell upon him. The Holy Spirit fell upon him like a dove. What did God say? This is my son. The whom? The beloved. What does the word David mean? What does the name David mean? It means beloved. So brothers and sisters, this isn't David the king. David the king was not worthy of taking such a title. He was sinful just as us, but this is Yeshua. This is Jesus, the son of God. And God is so good that he reminds us. He reminds the people of Israel 
of his great promises. God could have wiped us out, but he has kept us. And he's telling us that even though we aren't worthy and we aren't ready, that he's going to send a shepherd for us. Isn't that amazing, brothers and sisters? Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but that blew my mind. As I, I knew it, but it just blew my mind again and again and again as I came to, to research on this topic. So God, God's kingdom is, is coming when God will put down all of the false shepherd and he says, I will gather them. And Ezekiel says, God says, I will put, I will separate the goats. I will separate the sheep. And I will put my son, David. He'll be the shepherd. Amazing brothers and sisters. God reminds us of his kingdom that he's bringing for us. So in the kingdom, God says, I will be your God. Yahweh saying that I'll be your God. And Jesus, my son, will be your Lord and shepherd to lead you. What constitutes a good shepherd? What did we say constitutes a good shepherd? Brothers and sisters. We said that a good shepherd is one that lays their life down for the sheep. Jesus says that he's the good shepherd. And he didn't just say it in word of mouth. Not even David, who fought lions and bears, could compare to Yeshua. He said that he's the good shepherd. And he is. What did he do? He laid his life down for the sheep. Who would do such a thing? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God, had the, God has the ability, not had, has the ability to wipe the earth clean, to make new creatures, to make sinless creatures that will obey him. But the good shepherd brothers and sisters, he knew what it would take. He knew what was facing him as he headed up to Jerusalem. He knew that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were waiting him and he laid his life down for us, the sheep. We, the sheep that go off, we wander away. We, 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 we leave him even when he comes looking for us, brothers and sisters, for us, unworthy sheep. Jesus is the definition of the good shepherd. These sheep that we see here, and I'm coming to a close, these sheep are called north. Hold on, let me get my notes. They're called north Ronald, Ronaldson sheep. So North Ronaldson is an island in Scotland. These are not no ordinary sheep. These are special sheep. And if you can see on the image to the right, they're eating seaweed. All right, so they don't eat, they don't eat grass in large quantities. And most times they don't, they don't eat grass. They shouldn't eat grass. They eat seaweed. All right. So, and we see some of them are walking on the seashore. So they live on the seashore. All right. So they have been bred. They have been, they've uh, been uh, bred in such a way that they, their, their digestive system changed. So they eat only seaweed. And here we see the shepherd, they're building, these are called dikes. So they're walls that keep them on the seashore. Because if they go over into the grass, the pasture, you know what happens? If they eat too much of the regular grass, the copper, the copper and the iodine in regular grass is toxic to them. So when they eat seaweed, seaweed has a very small amount of that. So they can survive on seaweed. All right. But sometimes they fed up a seaweed and they jump over the fence and they knock down the bricks and they go over and eat the grass. So these shepherds have to constantly be there and constantly hurting them and constantly rebuilding the wall. So in North Ronaldson Island, there is only 72 people. So it's, it's a fairly large, it's, it's 
spacious, but there is barely anybody living there. So these people dedicate their lives to these sheep because they're very special. All right. They come and they shear them and they feed them. They build a dikes. All right. So they live in a special enclosed area where they have a special diet. So they're basically boxed in. They're protected sheep and they're one of a kind. You can't find the sheep no other way but at North, a very small island in Scotland. You can't find it in no other part of the world. And if you bring it to any other part of the world, you have to have an enclosure that has seaweed because if they eat too much normal grass, they will die. All right. Why am I telling you that? We'll see just now. All right. So why did I say that? And we ponder the question, do we need a shepherd? Do we as sheep, brothers and sisters, do we need a shepherd? And let's reflect again, brothers and sisters. We said that sheep are always going away and they're always doing their own will. And let's look at them here. Look at them on the road here. And these ones here, they knock down the walls and they try to cross over there. So they always are getting into trouble. They might go out and they eat a poisonous substance. And not only that, but they need also to be constantly loved and gentle. Their heads need to be anointed. They need to be sheared. They need to, to, to have medication, brothers and sisters. And we are like those sheep. We are the North Wyland and sheep, brothers and sisters. And you know what happens to us as Christadelphians? When we are boxed into the, 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 the shore, we sometimes feel as though the grass on the other side is better. And the sheep that are not a part of the shore may come and they may say to us, why are you worrying with the seaweed? Come over to this side and taste the grass. This grass is delicious. It is healthy for you. And we want a sheep to go over and taste that grass. But if only those sheep that are on the other side would taste the seaweed, would taste the word of God, would taste the truth that we have tasted and that we eat each and every day, brothers and sisters, they would never go back to the regular grass. But we who have the seaweed, we as the North, Ryland and sheep, and this is figurative, of course, we want to go over there. And many times we break down the dikes and we cross over and then we wander away and we eat all different sets of food that we're not supposed to eat. We eat a different doctrine. We eat the things of the world and we become sick. This is a sheep called Barak. He escaped from a farm and he lived on a mountain in, where is that? In one of the countries in the UK for seven years. Look at how, when they found him and they weighed him, his, his wool alone weighed 75 pounds. And he was so infested with parasites and, and it was kind of taking a toll. And when they shaved him off, he was underweight for a normal sheep. So he decided that he's going to leave the pasture, that he's going to leave the shepherd. And he went away, brothers and sisters, up into the mountain. And after one year, he didn't feel anything. After two years, he didn't feel anything. After three years, and I'm coming to a close, he didn't feel anything. After four years, he didn't feel anything. But as the fifth year approached, brothers and sisters, the world had become so much that he started to feel fatigue and the parasites began to take him over and he become underweight that he wished brothers and sisters that his farmer would come and look for him, that the shepherd would come to take him and they did brothers and sisters. And here he is with a, a clothing on him. So they had to put that on him because he was so underweight that when they took off his wool, he might have freeze to death. So they had to throw that over on him and he was so skinny and after they shaved him, I could imagine how Barak must have said, oh, yes, thank you, God. 
He felt so good. All of the tick that were sucking him for years and the wool that was weighing him down is no longer there. Brothers and sisters, those tick and those wool are a representation of sin in our lives. That when we leave the truth of God, when we leave the barracks and we no longer want to see weed, which is the truth in the word of God concerning the things of the kingdom and Jesus Christ. When we leave that behind and we go over into those barracks, brothers and sisters, we become like barack. We become overgrown and we cry out to the shepherd, but our shepherd is a good shepherd. Jesus will never leave us. He comes and he looks for us, brothers and sisters, and he finds us. And when he finds us, he takes us and he puts on the oil on our head and he gives us the food we need and he shares us, brothers and sisters. The other side of the dike is nice. And it looks good. And the sheep that have never tasted the seaweed, which is the truth that we have tasted, they don't know how precious that is, brothers and sisters. So they think that their grass is good. And when we go over into their pasture and we eat their grass, we become sick. Because we don't belong there. And the shepherd comes calling for us. Yeshua, he calls for us and he finds us and we are on the brink of death. And he shaves away the wool of sin. And he removes the parasite of sin. Brothers and sisters, God has a kingdom that is coming. Ezekiel 34 is a great prophecy. God is going to put down all of the false doctrines. And he's going to send his son the second time, the shepherd. And he's going to put us in his arms. We see the wolves around a figurative picture of Jesus. Not the true Jesus, of course. A wall around him and he has this sheep in his hand and he has this stick. And he's telling the wolves, you don't you dare come close. Brothers and sisters, if we remain on the seashore and we eat our seaweed, which is the word of God, which is the truth of God, and we Christian elephants know that we hold that. If we remain like that, at the end of that, we get to go to a green pasture. We get to, to see our shepherd that we belong to see for all of these years. Yeshua, the son of God. Brothers and sisters, David, the good shepherd. David, the shepherd mentioned in Ezekiel 34. He's coming again with the kingdom. So let us remain in the bar. Let us remain in the dike. Let us trust in Yahweh and his son, Yeshua. Thank you for keeping you so. Thank you.